Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. We have officially been doing One Hit Thunder for over 50 episodes, so it only made sense to ask the host, Chris Fafalios, to pick a song. From day one, Chris has stressed time and time again that In a Big Country by the band Big Country is the best one-hit wonder of all time. And while researching this, we both became big fans of the band and their lead vocalist, Stuart Adamson. So join us while we tell you how Big Country has and will always bring the one hit thunder. We got to episode 50. Here we are. And I said, for episode 50, you need to be the guest. And there was no hesitation. I kind of knew this was what you were going to pick. So I'm not going to ask necessarily why you picked Big Country, because anybody who's been on the Facebook page knows that you ride so hard for this song. So my question is, what is it about this song that makes you ride so hard for it? I'll tell you exactly what it is. It is in the past year or two, or actually it might have been since we started the podcast. I was looking into everything that people were posting, suggesting for songs to cover on the podcast, which all got added into a giant playlist, which we made. It's We have a one hit thunder Spotify playlist. It's also on Apple music, but it's like 
over 300 songs. And then one day when I was bored, this is a very Matt Kelly thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you would do th- something even more extreme. You probably would have sorted this list in some other way. But oh, there'd be categories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I sorted the list just by going one at a time with the songs and being like, okay, I like this song better than that song. I like this song better than that song. And I ended up putting In a Big Country by Big Country as the number one so- song in the entire list. And the reason I did that is because when I was watching music videos as people were posting them in our Facebook group and things like that, I came across this performance of In a Big Country that was from ITV from a show called The Tube that aired on February 17th, 1984, which is actually my dad's 29th birthday. So my dad turned 29 this day and they aired this big country live performance and This performance made me absolutely love this song. First of all, for being like a TV performance, it's it's in front of a live crowd. It is live. It is not some lip synced fake thing. It's not like what the BBC used to do all the time, like the tops of pops, where it'd be like, yeah, just sit there pretending you're playing the instruments and move your mouth. No, it's a live performance. The guys are so sweaty. Yeah. And the audience is having fun. At one point, two guys in the crowd jump up on stage and start dancing on the stage. And the performance I think is flawless. And I'm watching this and I'm, I love the bass player, uh, Tony Butler, who has the best moves and he's having the best time. And he also has sick bass lines. And I'm just watching this and I'm not saying this from perspective of these guys are so good. They remind me of my band, but the performance and how sweaty they were and how much they were enjoying it and how I felt like it was like a real thing. It reminded me of my own band in that I don't think we've ever gone on stage and tried to like play it off like we're some super cool (laughs) guys or have some sort of crazy image about ourselves or whatever, but I always feel like We're putting our heart into it up there. When I watch these guys, I'm like, wow, this band reminds me of Punchline. (laughs) If we we would have existed in the 80s, this is what I would have wanted to sound like. This is what I think our live performances would have been like. And it just, it endeared them to me so much because they reminded me of us in a way. So Punchline is going to be covering In a Big Country well, in 2021? I would I would cover this song in a second. I mean, <laughs> and just talking about the song, which, yeah, the song doesn't sound like Punchline, but the 80s were a time where they could have easily gone very synth. Yeah. You know, and, and this song just rocks. It's a great song. It, and I don't know how you first... Did you first discover the song just from someone posting it in the group, or were you aware of it from... Because I found it through Rock Band 2 okay. was my introduction to this song. Right. Uh, no, I knew the song. It's just that revisiting it, probably because of this, made me realize how good it is. Yeah. And especially Stuart Adamson's voice, it just sounds like the 80s. Yeah. No, he, I, I think that that's a, a really good assessment yeah, of in, that. Yeah, in a very good way. <laughs> I mean that in the best way possible. In preparing for this... Did you dive deeper into like big country as a band? Or I guess the question is, are you a big country fan or are you a in a big country fan? There are a lot of bands and artists that I would probably like and I just haven't had the time yet to dig in. And 
I love this song. And as I dug in deeper, I realized, yeah, I like this song. I like this song. Yeah. And as it went on, I liked it more, more and more. And especially Stuart Adamson's vocals and the guitars are so cool. They used, and I, I looked this up, to make their guitars be reminiscent of bagpipes. They used what, what an, an MXR pitch transposer 129 gu- guitar effect that is very recognizable. And yeah, it sounds like bagpipes. It's not bag th- bagpipes. It's guitars. <laughs> so from someone like me who doesn't really know anything about music, are you familiar with what that particular tool is no no not not necessarily but i mean in general i know what type of effect it is yeah okay i was just i was like is this like a normal way for someone to use that effect are they taking that effect and doing something really unique with i think i think they did something pretty unique with it i don't know anyone else that was using that tone that sounded like bagpipes at the time they also used and punchline has used this i know we i first learned what one was when we were recording action because we used it on it but an ebo they they use the ebo a lot for anyone who doesn't know you can look it up it's e-bow and you use it basically in place of a pick instead of strumming the strings it's like a i don't even know exactly how it works it's pretty cool technology actually but it's like a light that, that you you shine the strings and it creates a sort of pretty slidey haunting type sound so you know big country uses that on a lot of their songs if you're familiar with my band and in punchline we use it on the album action between the fifth and sixth tracks on the album there's like a transition part okay. where it switches between the songs and an Ebo is used on there and it's very haunting, high-pitched, slidey sound. It's really pretty sounding thing when you use an Ebo. When <laughs> it's you basically s- what I'm getting at. So when you say Ebo to me, I mean, I saw that that factoid when I was looking, but like I never thought that it would be something involving lights. Um, my thought process on that was that, you know, I've seen bands where they literally play with like a bow like that's like, the idea i guess yeah. is that it's an ele- electronic bow and so when you do it there's like a red light shining on and i don't know like i said i don't know how the technology works i don't know if it's hitting the pickups someone like i bet you someone like having paul on here for this would, would know a little bit about how the technology works and i didn't get too far into that but it's just one of the things one of the unique things that big country used in their songs and their style gotcha. that kind of set them apart in in a world where you know everyone was using using synths and and you could have a whole band that's just a guy with his keyboard right. essentially and, it, and they're up there really rocking people's faces off. right and in 80s production i mean we can take a second to while you were talking about that we can look at like what was actually going on yeah at the time that this song was on the radio because i think that that shines a light on how uniquely different sure this song was so at the time it peaked at 17 on the billboard hot 100 it was in december of 1983 also on that chart at the time we had Come On, Feel the Noise by Quiet Riot. Okay. Owner of a Lonely Heart by Yes. Love is a Battlefield by Pat. Benatar. Uptown Girl by Billy Joel. All Night Long by Lionel Richie. And the number one song was Say, Say, Say by Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson. Which those are all... I'm not going to say any of those are bad songs. But with the exception of maybe Pat Benatar, and even that's like more of a synthy Pat Benatar song, they're either 
very easy listening sound or with like come on feel the noise it's like an in your face rock song but this is like a weird merging of like a rock song with that weird synthy element well, laced into it when you read me that list i was getting ready for you to say human league and people like that not that i don't love human league but i was getting ready for you to name a bun- bunch of synth heavy 80s over the top cheesy pop songs and instead it was a lot of rock based songs but well let's look at what was the best of that whole year so when we look at the best of that whole year the five best selling singles that year was every breath you take by the police okay which is a good jam let's dance by david bowie Mm -hmm. which is a great song but definitely a very overproduced synthy drum beat type song flash dance what a feeling okay michael jackson's billy jean Okay. And the most shocking thing to me on this is that Michael Jackson's Billie Jean was only the second best-selling single of this year because the number one best-selling single was Culture Club's Karma Chameleon. Wow. <laughs> that's su- Wow, that's surprising that the, that beat out Michael Jackson. The but- only thing I can think of is that the Wikipedia charts take into effect the sales globally versus just nationally. So I think Michael Jackson probably sold huge in america and probably in the uk a little bit but i could see culture club just being a band that had like a number one that song being a number one hit in like any country that it's in right because it's got that chorus true but still in its uh most basic form it is a rock song so that's you know that it makes sense to me that that big country would hit at that time then it it kind of did fit into what was going on because it's not I don't know. When you read me that list, I, I see the the similarities and how this big country song fits in. There. Yeah, it's not that I'm reading like Whip It by Devo followed yeah. by, like you said, Human League followed by like yeah. Flock of Seagulls where it's just right. like right. It, two dudes with keyboards just killing it. Very, very rock based. So when I look at big country and I, I did my research on them and they are one of those bands that I don't know about and probably a lot of people don't know a lot about maybe other than this song they are actually very well respected and influential band with a large catalog of music and they had one hit one song that was considered a hit but to people that followed them that they wouldn't consider them a one-hit wonder, especially depending on where you live. I was going to say, especially if it's the, the difference is if you're a listener in the UK, this is a band where three of their four albums topped the top 40 album charts in the UK. Like They were pretty well-respected in the UK, but the other thing is that they were kind of a spinoff of another popular band. The Skids. The right? Skid, yeah. yeah. I don't know the Skids. I don't know but... the Skid either, but apparently they were also fairly popular right. in the UK. The Skid is the one that had three out of their four albums topped the top 40 in the UK. So they were bouncing off of a pop, being in a popular band. Right. And then this was like... Is it the Skid or the Skids? It just says Skids, no the. Oh, oh. well, I'm sure they were the Skids. <laughs> but that So like when that band broke up and Big Country formed out of it, it was pretty much like an instantaneous success. It's one of those things where like we've seen it happen with all of the different plus 44, you know, got or Angels and Airways got a really big leg up on getting started because it's the guys from Blink-182. Right. Or Foo Fighters. <laughs> yeah, like Foo, yeah, yeah. Foo Fighters is a gr- even more accurate example because I think in this case similarly to to Big Country and Skids, Foo Fighters I think are a bigger band than Nirvana now in like a 
Hmm. In a weird way, that's a hot take. It's a. I, I'm not <laughs> going to say they're they're both. Yeah, they're but they're massive. I think it's weird in general for someone to leave what is arguably the most important band of the '90s and form another band that is one of the most important bands of the '90s. True, <laughs> like, true. Yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. Like, you know, so Big Country, you know, over the course of their career, released eight albums, and their biggest album. And I didn't see if he worked on other albums. I'm going to assume he does. Did he did, but was produced by Steve Lillywhite, who is responsible for the first three U2 albums. Really an iconic producer. Worked on Susie and the Banshees. I, I don't know. His list is pretty large of people he worked on, but always these big epic recordings, very emotional sounding recordings, uh, for lack of a better way for me to put it, is how I would describe it. He's just an amazing producer and that made sense when I saw that. I was like, oh, yeah, it makes sense that the guy who produced you 2 produced this. <laughs> well, and I feel like when you're naming that stuff, so so like the Banshees and those first two U2 albums, those first three U2 albums, and then Big Country, is it feels like a lot of his work was like production work that maybe wasn't as appreciated in the moment that they were coming out as they were... After the fact, because like you two didn't blow up until like their, I think their third or fourth album when they did Joshua Tree. But now people look back and they're like, oh my God, the work on Boy and War are just amazing. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't do my research on you two. I don't even know what the first three U2 albums are, to, I, to, be, I, to be honest. I just I know assume... Joshua Tree is the fourth one. Oh, okay. Well, what I started reading about Stuart Adamson was the really very interesting things, how beloved and respected this guy was as a songwriter i saw articles saying that this guy was like the greatest songwriter of the past 50 years i saw some bold statements on Stuart adamson a guy that we are calling a one-hit wonder and rightfully so and in our world he, he has one hit that we know but this guy is beloved and when we'll get to it, I actually want to go through the lyrics of this song because they're pretty amazing. I look at these and before we, you know, there's not a very happy ending to Stuart Adamson, which we will unfortunately have to get into. But even looking at this song, I saw that Big Country is described as, and I think they were self-described. I think Stuart Adamson said this about themselves, that they're folk music with loud guitars and it's accurate <laughs> and a lot of their lyrics are about like hills and mountains and wind and things like that and metaphors about life that compared to like rolling hills and, and make you think of nature and things like that and it's pretty beautiful and it kind of makes sense to even the name of the band and the name of the song in a big country and when i look at these lyrics i'm like damn these are these are some of the greatest lyrics uh, the first line i'm looking at them right now the first line even is yeah. such a good relatable lyric yeah i've never seen you look like this without a reason another promise fallen through another season passes by you i never took the smile away from anybody's face and that's a desperate way to look for someone who is still a child in a big country dreams stay with you like a lover's voice from the mountainside stay alive here we go I thought that pain and truth were things that really mattered, but you can't stay here with every single hope that you had shattered. I'm not expecting to grow flowers in a desert, but I can live and breathe and see the sun in wintertime. 
and I didn't even pick up on how good these lyrics were. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah, they're really good. And when when he's singing them, the melody is so good because there is this melodic thing about this song that I think is so unique. It's that some of these lines seem to go longer than they're supposed to. Yeah. And what I mean by that is... I think even the first line kind of has that vibe. I've never seen you look like this without a reason. Another promise falling through another season passes by you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the, the chorus of it, the chorus of the song even seems to be like this run-on chorus where any other songwriter would have stopped or yeah. put a break in it, but it's... In a big country dream, stay with you like a lover's voice fires a mountainside. It just it feels like a run-on sentence almost. We talked and, about this a lot during like the session of recordings we've done, but this is another one where if you gave me this and said this is just a poem, right? I would read it and be like, yeah, totally. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from No Effects, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy, and getting to eat restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50. The words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. Like this is absolutely a poem structure. Yeah, it reads beautifully. It sings beautifully and you know, oh, to, you know the the chorus comes in, and I, I just got to I, I want to read these because they're so good. So so the the last verse of this is so take that look out of here. It doesn't fit you because it's happened doesn't mean you've been discarded. Pull up your head off the floor, come up screaming, cry out for everything you ever might have wanted. I thought that pain and truth were things that really mattered, but you can't stay here with every single hope that you had shattered. I'm not expecting to grow flowers in a desert, but I can live and breathe and see the sun in wintertime. I just think these are so good. They like give me chills just reading them, let alone when they're sung by this guy with what I think is like a beautiful voice and the melodies are awesome and the music just makes me feel so good. And I know from, like I said, I watched that video of them playing it live that I loved. From everything I've read about this guy, 
he had his problems, he had his demons, but he was a sweet and sensitive guy. <laughs> well, it's, so I think that, especially like listening to those lyrics and knowing you and knowing your band, you know, I think Punchline likes to lean into something that's kind of similar with that song, where there's an element of subtlety, there's an element of imagery being utilized, but you can, with with like first glance of lyrics, get a pretty rough idea of what the story is, but it's never like, you know, it's not telling a narrative story where it's like, I know that that guy hurt you, but it's okay. Like, it's like, this could be anything. It's a song just about struggling through a really bad time. It doesn't have to necessarily be a specific bad time. Comparison, I think of a song like Darkest Dark or Green Hills by you guys on your newest album, where there's a lot of like, those songs aren't about a very specific thing, but it makes it relatable no matter what the experience is. You're, like Green Hills is a great example because you know, you're talking about John F. Kennedy and, and all this stuff, but then you get to that nothing's ever going to work out quite the way you think it's going to work out. And I, I like thinking about that and then comparing it to something like Big Country where it's using a lot of that. It's using descriptions of the big country and seeing the sunset in the wintertime as an influential like, hey, you might be really low right now, but it's going to be okay. Like, right, get right. get off the floor. You got this. Yeah, and I don't mean to be comparing it to my band. The only reason I that I brought that up is just because if we're talking about a song and why I picked it is and why I relate to it and resonate with no, it. No, I think that, that's that totally like makes sense. A big thing in in my personal life, and I don't expect anyone else to to view it that way or think about it that way. But for me, when I I, I relate to this musically and when i dove in more and more i don't think that our band has any of that like necessarily folk influence or like scottish influence that this band has well, yeah, like this is another one of our many many growing list of scottish one hit wonders dude and you know what else is crazy <laughs> that they have a song that's called fields of fire this song's great by the way fields of fire parentheses 400 miles and the proclaimers have I'm going to be parentheses 500 miles and these Scottish bands love they love songs. counting miles yeah counting miles and put it in parentheses in their song titles but but I think big country did it before the proclaimers so maybe the proclaimers were big country fans yeah I mean I'm I would sure imagine they that they probably were I, 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 I would put money on that I would bet that at a time big because we talk about this stuff all the time right like at a time it's possible that Big Country was the biggest Scottish band that was happening where the Proclaimers were. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't mean that they were the biggest band in the world, but, like, similarly to how, like, we're in Pittsburgh. Right. And for you, it's like, yeah, Rusted Roots, like, one of the biggest bands yeah. that's ever come out of Pittsburgh. And most people are like, that band that had a song in Matilda? Right. It's like, <laughs> it's like no, uh, it's that band that played Woodstock 94. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, so when I looked deeper into Stuart Ab- Adamson and his sort of uh, downfall towards the end, I kind of put together and I mean, it could be coincidence or not, but it kind of seemed like he didn't handle the declining success of his band. Well, I, I think the same thing. I feel like there's certain people where there is like this one thing that is like their life force that is keeping them going. And when that is extinguished, there's just like, 
nothing for them, essentially. And I, I feel like he was one of those people that loved doing this band. Right. And I think when this band disbanded, all like whatever being in that band kept the demons away from him. Like that light went out and it was just like he did not. I, I don't think it's a lack of success. I think it was just the band broke up and he found no hope in anything after that. Sports is a big one when like a specific player or anybody like can no longer do the thing that they are like clearly destined to do. Gotcha. Yeah. There, There's like a, a moment where they kind of lose right. that drive. And I don't know if you read about this. This was pretty crazy. I think it was 1999 that Big Country had released a new album and I, in their later sound, they got pretty like country, like actual yeah. country ish. You know, Adamson later in his life moved to Nashville, uh, married a hairdresser from Nashville, but their last album, which I believe was released in 1999, it was set up to be a success. I think they had some momentum going and, and they had high hopes for it and some technicality about the packaging of their album. And I, what I read was it was one too many like folds in like the compact disc thing. They called it like a pizza box style CD package. Something about it caused the record sales to not be accurate. And at its debut, it only hit like number 67 or something, but on a technicality. And because of that, it didn't get like a fair shot. And I think that people like wrote it off. That This is from the that, article I read. That's crazy. It's a pretty wild. But from what I read, that was like that destroyed Stuart Adamson. That yeah. this thing happened. And you guys can read into it more. Or Matt, you can you can read into it. And see what you think about that. It sounds like a wild, but I've heard wilder things than that. Basically, it sounds like maybe this album was supposed to be in the top 40. And if the correct numbers would have been there, it would have been. And then then the momentum of that being in the top 40 may have allowed it to be played on the radio. Yeah, Yeah, continue to grow. But some bump in the road, some stupid bump in the road caused that not to happen and had like a domino effect. And... I don't think the album was successful. That that's also like that's right around that time where people were doing really fucking shady things for record sales. Like you know the Prince story, not to to throw shade at Prince, but the musicology story. I think this was like 1999 when this happened. Uh, for as big of a Prince fan as I am, I I'm not sh- I'm not sure what star you're talking about. He so there was there was concern that Musicology was not going to be the number one record in America when it came out. Mm-hmm. So he went on the Musicology tour, and every ticket purchase got a free copy of the album right. Musicology, and they counted the full ticket price as the money made from every album sale. So that it would like have this crazy high wow. <laughs> amount of like, oh yeah, the musicology CD made this much money, but it was wow. people buying tickets to see Prince and just getting a free CD in the mail for, for right. their ticket purchase. Wow. They, they let him get away. <laughs> they let him get away with that. I mean, <laughs> he's Prince. Who's going to tell yeah, him no? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, but ga- gaming the system is always pretty lame. Yeah. And, but then the reverse is like 
bullshit like this. It's like, oh, sorry, this CD has only four folds in it, and without fun, we're only going to count it as I like think it three was one, fours. I or think something. it was one extra one. That's was so like, weird. Maybe it made it. Maybe I, I, once again, I don't know, but maybe it made it too thick to the point where it was like a. A, now it was considered a deluxe package instead of a... I actually wonder... Here's here's my guess without doing any research. If it was one fold too many and maybe it made it too bulky, maybe the problem was amount of units being able to be shipped places like dropped dramatically so there was just not an availability for the record for places. Possibly, yeah. Well, or like they couldn't put more than like three or four on a shelf as possibly. opposed to like loading up the shelves with copies. I mean, possibly. Yeah. I mean, it could be something like that. It's something along the lines of not based on the music. Yeah, is just what we're a really at. dumb, shitty way for yeah. this to play out. Yeah. We did real quick. I do want to point out because we did kind of glaze over it. But uh, Big Country was in Band-Aid. Do, do they know it's Christmas? That's true. And then on <laughs> the on the B side of that, I guess it was a cassette. They did like one of the spoken word messages to the world or whatever on there all four of them did that's awesome so yeah they're part of that band-aid do they know it's christmas song which i don't know do i like that song my experience with that song is that i think it's a fine song but it's got really catchy parts in it yeah yeah like it's got it's got some melodies the guitar the guitar part towards the end is actually very big country as because it's that yeah do 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 true maybe that's what big country did maybe they brought him in with their guitar thing to play that riff that's possible man it does you are right it does sound pretty big country and i've seen some major criticisms of that song and the sentiment behind it you know about a bunch of rock stars singing about feeding the world or whatever yeah to sell a record to raise money to feed the world instead of just like i don't know donating some money to a country that could use it yeah i don't know i've seen several criticisms on it but but it is it does sound like christmas when you hear that song yeah so Stuart adamson he had a he was known for disappearing yeah and not being able to be found by people that were looking for him and in 2000 they played what would be their last show ever. And it was a sold out show in Glasgow. But at this time, Stuart was suffering from depression and he was an alcoholic. He had, you know, problems with alcohol. And then in 2001, he disappeared. The band put out something on their website saying they were looking for him. They hired private investigators to try to find him. At one point he was in Atlanta. And then I saw what was described by alcoholics as being called a black haze where I guess a black haze is where you're kind of blacked out and you end up somewhere and you don't know how you got there. Yeah. And apparently that's what they think happened with Stuart Adamson because he ended up in Honolulu and he was staying at a best Western Western Plaza hotel in December, 2001 on the, he had there on the same day his wife filed for divorce. That's the same day he, disappeared but when they found him he was in honolulu and he had died by suicide by hanging himself with an electrical cord from a pole in the wardrobe and the coroner's report said they had consumed a very strong amount of alcohol beforehand he was 43 years old yeah which is pretty wild like you think i don't know i think about this song came out in the 80s and then 
you know, it's turn of the century into the 2000s. The dude's still only 43, 43. years old. I was literally just thinking that in my head. I was trying to do the math. He must have been 18 or 19 writing in a big country. He may have been, you know, really early 20s. Yeah, super but, early. But young, real, like that. Because you also have to remember that he was in another band that had right. put out three records before. Right. That dude must have... I mean, I, I think that that's a sign of true talent, too, is like if we're assuming that his start in the music industry was 17 years old, mm -hmm. then that also kind of leads into the, the thing I was saying about like, that's probably all he's ever known. So if it feels like Absolutely. the music industry has rejected him. Right. I mean, that's that's, I, that's uh, a bad spot to be. Yeah, I think I think you're definitely on to something there. I mean, it probably didn't help. But the divorce, it, I'm sure, was was like a not a helpful piece to but his that mindset. That may have been a pro. That may have been a product of the same thing we're talking about. Yeah. That, that you know, just not being able to handle that. I mean, we're making some real assumptions here. We're because, making it, but I mean, there's there's not a lot. Unfortunately, we can't ask him what right. he was going through. But right uh, there, you know, there there are a lot of stories about this guy just being awesome. Uh, there is a really good video of him that you can find. I was, as I was, you know, diving in, there's a video of this. They're playing like this enormous show in New York city in 1986. And then a mid song, he stops the song and walks off the stage down to the crowd to break up some violence that's going on. And then he gives the security guards a talking to <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. It's really awesome considering how enormous this show was. This wasn't some show at like a punk club where yeah, like this was like a, an arena. Yes, essentially. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And he went down there and he basically told them like, yeah, we don't go for violence at our shows talking to the security about that. And I've unfortunately anybody, I don't, if you're a concert goer or playing in a band, definitely you've seen it where the security guards get on a power trip. Yeah. And and it changes the mood of the show immediately yeah. after it happens every time. Right. And of course, there are situations where the security guards are helping people out by getting some drunk asshole out of the out of the crowd who's being slamming into people and stuff. And of course, that's a good situation. But sometimes I've seen the security guards be way too hard on kids just having fun. A kid yeah, a kid partying at a show. You, you can know, so. you can tell the difference. Yeah. That's like the big thing. Like you can look, I've been to enough shows where you can look into the crowd and tell when someone's having a good time and when someone's there yeah. with the intention of causing trouble. Yeah. So I think that someone whose full-time job is to be at shows watching for that stuff should know more than 23-year-old Matt Kelly throwing a show. Yeah, I mean, I don't demonize all security guards. I mean, there's been lots of nice ones. And, you know, there are those ones that the kid is crowd surfing in the crowd and pulls him up and then he just like sends him on his way down the side of the stage back into the crowd and that's nice but then yeah. you see the ones who you know the meatheads who do you know <laughs> uh the, the same ones who are screaming at people after the show like get the fuck out of yeah. here all right you gotta go like come on you know yeah. people are just hanging out and being calm and nice like why yeah. are you doing that so anyway the video was cool it was a cool video of Stuart adamson and i had to write down this this quote about him from Stewart's funeral and said he had a heart as big as a mountain and he was a real romantic soul. Adamson wrote the songs that you two wished they could write. And the edge said that at Stuart Adamson's That's funeral. That's amazing. Yeah. That's solid stuff. Yeah. The crossing, the album that in a big country's on went on to sell 2 million copies. And in the meantime became 
my favorite one hit wonder ever there you go that's the, i mean and that is the most notable thing about in a big country <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, now, i'm sure that's chris it's on the wiki page already <laughs> host of one hit thunder chris Fafios's favorite one hit wonder yeah so yeah dude is there i mean we're 50 episodes in now on a podcast about one hit wonders i think it's a noteworthy note for wikipedia that the host of one hit thunder a podcast specifically about one hit wonders named in a big country by big country the greatest one hit wonder <laughs> ever i think that's wikipedia worthy actually i'll see if i can get that on there okay all right uh, <laughs> i have to wait until this episode comes out because i think we need to have it as a reference point otherwise they'll pull it within like the second right. that i click yeah, save yeah but. yeah but after after this episode airs i think 50 episodes of a podcast about one hit wonders makes us a legit source, a legit authority. I think so. I mean, at what point do we become that? I mean, as if you're asking episodes. me, I'd say by episode two. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> I no, say at 50. 50 fair. I think 50 is a good one. Because we've really done our research on 50. 50 songs. We did a deep dive on 51 hit wonders so far. Yeah. And well, like probably like 48. We had like two random non song episodes, but still that's enough. <laughs> right. We've I've ranked an entire list of 300, 300 plus songs. songs. We ranked last week. We ranked yeah. the all, every song that we've discussed so far. So Right. And if I were to add this song in there, you know. It's Duncan Sheik's going down. Yep. Duncan Sheik bumps <laughs> down to number two after this one. Uh, but that's okay. I still love you, Duncan. And shout out to Nine Days. Still love you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, it's been a blast doing 50 of these. Yeah, man. Hell it, yeah. It's kind of a bummer that like... That we have to stop now? No, yeah, it's over from this point. <laughs> no, like in, I'm thinking about January of this, of, well, at the time this comes out last year, I went and saw Punchline play Delightfully Pleased. Mm-hmm. What was that? Rex? What was the name of that place? Rex. Rex. We were at Rex and I remember we looked at each other and we were talking and I said, I think we could do a live show here for episode 50. And you were like, absolutely. <laughs> well, that ain't happening. But maybe, fingers crossed, episode 100. Well, but... it's definitely not happening because through the pandemic, the Rex Theater is not I closed. <laughs> I saw. Yeah, it's crazy how different things are from... So much hope. The, so much hope now. in us <laughs> leading up to like... I think that was like a week before the first episode but, dropped. We were like, this is going to be huge. But it's a perfect thing to do. I mean, I, thank goodness for podcasting, man. Oh, because it kept me alive during this last yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a way to express yourself at a time where it's a lot harder. You yeah. can't do it in a live setting unless it's some sort of weird situation but yeah man i'm glad we did it it was like uh it was like you came along and said hey this this crazy thing's about to happen in the world so maybe we should do this <laughs> i knew yeah that's gonna be the conspiracy theory. hashtag matt knew <laughs> tell me how you get to sleep at night sleep at night tell me how you get to sleep this has been one hit thunder one Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Ophios of the bands Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing Tell Me How You Sleep off the Punchline album, Thrilled. You can get that album and other merch at punchlion.com. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. Tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. No ring upon my swollen hand
jumped on my shoulders Tackled me through the door to the sidewalk I looked up at the steeple behind you With my bad velcro to the black top Tell me how you get to sleep at night Sleep at night You're listening to the Geekscape Network Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob Podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.